Do you know that from your position, you can change a situation? Do you also know that you are the master over the created world and that you are meant to rule over everything God has made? Listen carefully to Pastor Shegun Obaji as he brings to you with simplicity and clarity the message of the new creation realities in Christ Jesus. Be blessed as you listen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen forevermore. Welcome to Bible study. Um, this is a special time that we gather together around the Word of God to listen to the Word of God. The Word of God is life. That is our life. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's why Bible study is personal to us. Glory to God. We gather around the word of God at the feet of our Lord Jesus Christ to receive his glorious word. Amen. And then again, we understand that our inheritance is in the word of God. Amen. Praise God. Paul committed the church at Ephesus to God and to the word of his grace which was able to build them up and give them an inheritance amongst those who are sanctified. The same word is able to build us up and he's giving us our inheritance today because we are part of the sanctified people of God. Amen. The just shall live by faith. So once again, welcome to Bible study. I need you to lend me your ears and pay attention to the word of God. Refuse to be distracted because your word is coming today and your life will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. Um, this month is a special month for us, a month of revelation and faith. Glory to God. And so we've been looking at the word of God along the lines of revelation. All right. And um, today we're looking at accessing divine revelation accessing divine revelation how do we access divine revelation now access is entry or entrance access is the doorway all right opening into something all right so accessing divine revelation simply means all right entering into divine revelation what is the portal what is the entrance what is the doorway into divine revelation. That's what we're looking at today. Glory to God. Now let me um, start by introducing the message to you, okay? Just um, by uh, refreshing your um, holy mind as to what we've learned in time past. Amen. Um, what revelation is? Revelation is perception of reality as revealed or given to us by God. All right? Not as we think it not as we know it, not as we perceive it, but as revealed to us by God. That's what revelation is. Glory to God. And then we understand that it is not how we see it, but how God says it is. All right? There's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are ways of destruction. So revelation is not the way that seems right, not how we think it is or we see it in our own perception, but how God reveals it to us. So we see it through God's eyes. That's what revelation is. Glory to God. In Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12, there is a way that seems right unto a man. So it is not that which seems right that we're considering here. We're considering that which is right. Hallelujah. According to the word 
of God. Amen? That's what revelation is. And then we've also learned that revelation is God-given. It is given to us by God. Amen? We don't assume revelation. We receive it from God. God gives revelation. Amen? Matthew 16, if you start reading from verse 16 to 17, God gave Peter a revelation of who Jesus was. Amen? God gave it to Peter. It was revealed to him. Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus responded, he says, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. So, revelation is God-given. Don't forget that. Those are uh, pillars. They are foundational understanding of um, receiving revelation from God, what it takes to access divine revelation. So, revelation is God-given. It is given by God. Little wonder Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus. All right, He prayed for them that God the Father would grant unto them or give unto them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So it is God-given, evidently. Again, in Colossians 1 and verse 9, he prayed for the church at Colossae. Amen? That the Lord God Almighty will fill them with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So it is settled. It is a settled reality in God's word that divine revelation, revelation from God, from the word of God, is God-given. It is given by God. Praise God. And then we've also uh, learned that you cannot think your way, all right, through into revelation, all right? You can only be granted access into it. Praise God. So, revelation is God-given. Isaiah 53, 55 and verse 8, you know, the Lord is speaking, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways are my ways, say the Lord. It says, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So the thoughts of God are higher than the thoughts of man. Natural thinking cannot um, step into or enter into the arena of divine revelation. It is God-given. It is granted by God. In fact, every revelation of God's word is passworded. Amen. It is passworded. God must reveal the password to you for you to be able to gain access into the revelation of God's word. Praise God. And then this is very important, you know, when God gives revelation, it is for one purpose. It is to one end. The obedience of faith. The obedience of faith. So God doesn't give revelation of his word just for the fun of it. No. He gives you the revelation of his word that you may obey his word. That you may act on his word. Amen. The revelation of God is um, a resource that we engage. All right. We engage it. We engage it and we also engage with it. Praise God. So it's a resource. So God doesn't reveal things to us just for the fun of it. So you can teach it to your friends and just, you know, be excited that God has revealed something to you. No, much more than that. God gives revelation for obedience. All right? The Bible tells us in Deuteronomy 29, verse 29, secret things belong to God. All right? But the things that are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever. To what end? That we may do all the words of the Lord. All right? So whatever God reveals to us is to one end, that we may do 
the word of God. Praise God. And that is the trigger for the supernatural. That's where the miracle lies. In action. Praise God. When we act on the word. Again, the Bible tells us very clearly in Romans chapter 16. And I want us to look at this particular portion of of the Bible. Romans chapter 16 from verse 25 to 26. He says, Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, revelation of the mystery, revelation of the mystery. Mark that, you know, uh, sentence, um, statement. Revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began. Verse 26. But now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations, to what end? For the obedience of faith. For the obedience of faith. Glory to God. So revelation is for the obedience of faith. For the obedience of faith. If you're not willing to act on God's word, all right, and then you might as well not even come close to asking God to reveal his word to you because he's not going to reveal his word to uh, people who are not willing to act on his word. So revelation comes to the obedient. All right, those who are ready to act on the word, to live by the word of God. Amen? They will receive revelation from God. Amen? And then revelation is just an asking away. <laughs> Praise God. When you ask, you will receive. Paul asked that God would uh, give unto the church at Ephesus the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And God did just that. Praise God. So when you ask, you will receive. The Bible tells us very clearly in Matthew 7 and verse 7. It says, ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek, you shall find. Knock and that door that you have knocked shall be opened unto you. That's, that's how it works. Everyone that asketh, receiveth. So revelation is not far away. It's just an asking away. Praise God. Can you say that with me? Say revelation. It's just an asking away. All right? It's, it's not far away. It's not far-fetched. Revelation is just an asking away. If you would ask God, he will give it to you. Don't forget it's God-given. You cannot concoct revelation. All right? You can't conjoy it. Praise God. You can't cook it up. It is given by God. Amen? Praise God. All right. So let's look at the access points to revelation. Now, having understood these basic things about the revelation of God's word, let's look at the access points to revelation. Number one, understand that it's your birthright to have the revelation of God. As a child of God, it is your birthright to have divine revelation. All right? The Bible tells us in Matthew 13 and verse 11 that it is given unto us to know the mysteries. Of the kingdom of heaven. Now the moment you're born again. You're born into the kingdom of God. The Bible tells us very clearly. In uh, Colossians chapter 1. You start reading from verse 13. The Bible says. God the father has delivered us. From the authority or power of darkness. That's the kingdom of darkness. And has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So the moment you get born again. You are translated into the kingdom of God. And then again, the Bible tells us in Gospel according to St. John chapter 3 and verse 3, it says, except a man be born again, he cannot 
see the kingdom of God. So the moment you're born again, you can see the kingdom of God. You can perceive how God does things. You can perceive the ways of God. So every child of God, born into God's kingdom, has capacity, the capacity to know the ways of God, to understand the things of God, to have revelation of God and of his word. Praise God. So uh, the first access point is salvation, new birth. If you're born again, all right, you're born into God's kingdom, now you have the capacity, God-given capacity to see the kingdom of God. All right? To see the kingdom of God. Now, um, what, what does that mean? God has given you eyes with which to see. You can see now. Praise God. So it takes two things to see. All right? Not just eyes. All right? Potentially eyes and then light. If you have eyes, good eyes, all right, and you open them in the dark, you can't see nothing. But you see, when you open your eyes and there is light, then light will come, you know, on your eyes and then your eyes can see by that light. So the eye sees by light. The eye sees by light. The eye sees by light. Glory to God. The eye does not see or the eyes do not see by themselves. The eyes see by light. All right? And so that's why revelation, you know, uh, doesn't come to you just because you are born again. That is the potential, all right, um, that is needed to receive revelation. All right? That's not all there is to receive revelation. Light must come to you, to your eyes, your eyes, and then your eyes will then begin to see what God is showing you. Praise God. So, and that's what the spirit of wisdom and revelation does. Amen? So, um, number one, you must be born again. If you want to have divine revelation, you must be born again. Why? Because the things of God, all right, are spiritually discerned. The carnal man cannot understand or know or perceive the things of the Spirit of God. All right? Neither can he understand them. The Bible tells us because they are spiritually discerned. All right? So you have to be born again. Your eyes, all right, within have to be open to God by new birth, salvation. All right, and then you can you have the capacity to see divine things. Glory to God. So every child of God has capacity to see the things of God. We have capacity to understand the things of God. Romans chapter eight and verse fourteen tells us very clearly: as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. What does that mean? The Spirit of God leads the sons of God. Amen. The Spirit of God will lead you as his child because you are his child. You're born again. You have the capacity to be led by the Spirit of God. And when you're led, you can be led indeed. Praise God. There are some people, when they are led, they are just blind to the leading of God because they are insensitive to God. They are not born again. When you get born again, you are awakened to God. All right? You are awakened. Your inner man is awakened to God. So you can receive divine leading. So point number one, access point, salvation. Point number two, be willing to be led. You have to be willing to be led. All right, why is that important? Now let me tell you something. There are different options today as to how to live our lives. 
All right? There are suggestions on social media. There are suggestions in our culture. There are suggestions in our background. There are different ways, you know, that people have come up, you know, with uh, by which life can be lived. So, um, you have to make your choice. You have to be willing as God's child to be led by the Spirit of God. To be led by the revelation of God's word. Alright? Culture is not altogether correct. Except it is the culture that is based on God's word. But if you look all over the world today, alright, there are different variants of culture. Alright? You see different dimensions of culture. A part is good. The other part is bad. Alright? So, uh, different cultures of the world today are not altogether good. Praise God. But the word of God is good. Amen. So you cannot afford to live by, okay, this is our tradition. This is our culture, naturally speaking. The moment you got born again, all right, you came into the kingdom of God and you are in the domain of a different culture. We play by a different set of rules. Glory to God. Amen. So um, there's a culture of God's kingdom. There's a way to live now. Not the way that seems right, all right, but the way that is right. That it seems right doesn't make it right. Glory to God. All right? It has to be the way that is right, the right way. All right? And what's the right way? The Word. The Word. The Bible tells us very clearly in Gospel according to St. John and um, chapter 1 and verse 9. I love that scripture, you know, passionately. It says, That was the true light which lighted every man that cometh into the world. The true light. So there's a false light. Because, you know, the qualification of this light, you know, the adjective used here is true. All right? So that means it distinguishes it from the false light. Praise God. This is the true light that lighteth every man that comes into the world. What is the true light? Verse 1 of that same, you know, chapter says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Verse 2 tells us very clearly, the same was in the beginning with God. Verse 3, it says, All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything that was made. That, that, that was made. Amen? And then verse 4, this is powerful. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. So what light is he referring to here is the light of the Word of God. In the Word was life, and the life was the light of men. Praise God. So this is word life producing word light. And he says, this is the true light that lighteth every man that comes into this world. Glory to God. So the word of God is the true light. You have to be willing to be led by the word of God. There are many suggestions around on how to, you know, um, order your life, all right, order your conversation, all right, carry yourself. There are many ways, suggestions all around. Praise God. Do it this way. You could do it this way. You could do it that way. And somehow information is, is everywhere. All right, just a click away. You go online. They tell you this is how to run, you know, courtship. Some people bring an idea of dating. Another person brings this different idea. Different things flying around. All right, but as a Christian, as a child of God, how are we supposed to live our lives? All right? We're supposed to live our lives by the word of God. So be willing. Now you're willing. All right? There's a dissatisfaction in you. All right? To go the way of the Gentiles. To go the way of unbelievers. Amen? The Bible says, love not the world, 
neither the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, says those things don't belong to the Father. They are of the world. Praise God. So you see, you are dissatisfied with their ways of doing things. All right, You're not seeking the ways of this world anymore. You're tired. You're done all right, doing all that. The moment you repented of your sins, the Bible says repentance all right, unto God. Repentance. The doctrine of repentance all right, from dead works and faith toward God. You've repented from those things. You don't believe in them anymore. So you're now willing to be led by the Spirit of God. You're willing to be led by the Word of God. You're willing to learn the ways of God. You're willing to be led by the truth of God's word, the true light that lights every man that comes into this world. Praise God. And this is very, very important. Have you come to that point that you're dissatisfied with this world's way of doing things and you're ready to do things God's way? All right? You see, willingness here. It's, it's not just I'm willing to be led by God. I'm willing to go the way of God or be led by, by the truth of God's word. You also have to, you know, have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. Praise God. I'm, I'm not, I don't believe in fornication. I don't believe in cutting corners. I don't believe in telling lies. I don't believe, all right, in living a pseudo life. I believe the word of God, that God is the lifter up of my head. So you are hungry to be led by the Spirit of God because you have come to the end of trying to live according to the dictates of the flesh, according to the dictates of the world. Amen? You have come to the end of that. You are not going any further. Praise God. Amen? And you are now willing to be led. God knows it himself that, ah, this my son, this my daughter is very much willing to be led by me. Amen? And so God will lead you. So you must be willing to be led by God. Psalm 23 and verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Alright? I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. He's the one leading me. A shepherd leads, alright, guides and protects the sheep. The Lord is my guide. The Lord is my protector. The Lord is my provider. I shall not want. That's what a shepherd does. He guides, protects, and then provides for the sheep. Alright? So, you have taken the Lord as your shepherd. Have you? That Lord, you are my shepherd. You are the guide of my youth. You are the guide. I'm willing to be led by you. Alright? Your way is my desire. I've chosen your will. I'm willing to follow your plan, your purpose for my life. I'm not interested in cooking up something for myself. All right? I have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. Glory to God. I'm not going to walk in craftiness anymore. Praise God. Amen? And then God begins to lead you. Amen? This is very, very important. Jesus said to Simon and Andrew in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19, he says, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. All right? And immediately, immediately, they forsook all and followed him. Praise God. Immediately, they were willing to follow. Verse 20 says, And they straightway left their nets and followed him. They were willing to follow. All right? They were willing to follow him. All right? Begin to desire and say, Lord, 
by your grace I am willing. I'm willing to be led by you. All right? I'm done with the things of the world. I've had enough of that. All right? No more. I believe in your ways. I believe in the kingdom way of doing things. Glory to God. Now that I'm, I'm a child of God, now that I'm born again, I believe in the kingdom of God, the kingdom way of doing things. So be willing to be led. Number three, don't assume anything about your life. <laughs> Assumption is not direction. Assumption is not direction. So don't assume anything about your life. In fact, someone said assumption is the least form of knowledge. All right? And I meditated on that statement and I discovered that, in fact, assumption is no knowledge <laughs> at all. It is no knowledge. See? Don't assume anything. You are not an experiment. You are a destiny. Preordained, predetermined, pre prepared, pre settled. Pre-written by God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So your life is not an experiment. Don't experiment with your life. Don't assume anything. Okay, let's give this a try. No, not your life. You can experiment with inanimate things. All right? But you see, your destiny was prepared before the foundation of the world. Acts of the Apostles chapter 15 and verse 18 the Bible tells us point blank. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Alright? You see, you must live by this principle, no assumption. Until I am clear on what God is saying concerning my life, I'm not taking any action. Alright? I'm going to act on the word of God with clarity. What I know that I know that I know. Alright? About. That's what I'm going to act on. Consistent with the revealed will of God for me. Praise God. The word of God. Amen. No assumption. So you see. Assumption. Is not direction. Don't assume anything about your life. Your life is not an assumption. Your life is not um, an experiment. Your life is a predetermined scroll. Written by God. And God is unveiling it. Step by step. Phase by phase. All right, level by level, glory to God, dimension by dimension. That's what your life is all about. So don't experiment with your life. Say amen to that. Man, don't try it. Don't try it. Life is not an experiment. It's a discovery of God's purpose and a fulfillment of it. That's what life is all about. Amen. In fact, life is not even an adventure. All right. Life is a discovery of God's purpose. God's purpose. God's will predetermined for you. Amen. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 37. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 37. It says, Who is he that saith, and it cometh to pass when the Lord commanded it not? All right. Now, listen very carefully. If you live your life by assumption, all right, you will, you will not enjoy divine backing. If you say a thing, you assume a thing, when the Lord has not commanded it, all right, it will not come to pass. It's just a waste of time. For many are the devices of the heart of a man, but the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. So the devices may be many, but what is going to stand on the long run is the counsel of God concerning you. So why waste your life and waste your time? 
All right, discover God's purpose for you. No assumption. Zero, zero tolerance for assumption. Zero tolerance for assumption. It must be revealed. It must be clear. If it's not clear, I'm not going to assume it. Because I know that there's a script written concerning me already. All right, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. So there is a revelation of that which is written concerning you in the book. And that's what your life is about. Praise God. So refuse to assume anything. Faithful is he who has called you, who also will do it. First Thessalonians 5 and verse 24. If he has called you, if he has commanded it, if he has said it, he will perform it. You cannot compel God to be back off what you cooked up all by yourself. If it's not his plan, he's not going to back it up. All right? Effort, fasting, prayer cannot change it. The will of God is settled. People who are wise, all right, when they come face to face with God's will and it looks very uh, challenging to do the will of God, they pray, they pray, they pray, and then they use this word, nevertheless. Thy will be done, <laughs> nevertheless. You must not remove nevertheless from your dictionary. Amen? In your walk with God, Jesus got to that point. He prayed and prayed and prayed. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass over me. You are almighty. There is nothing you cannot do. Alright? But listen, he used the word nevertheless. Not my will, but thine will be done. Praise God. Alright? So, no assumption. That's very important. Number four. Understand the place of the fear of the Lord. Now, when you revere God, you reverence God, you regard God greatly and highly, all right? It will show you secret things. The Bible tells us very clearly in Psalm 25, if you start reading from verse 12, Psalm 25 and verse 12, it says, What man is he that feareth the Lord? He says, Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. All right? His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. Verse 14, I love this. He says, The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Amen. Now, what is the fear of God? The fear of God is reverence for God. You regard God such that his word means everything to you. You tremble at the word of God. That's what it means. All right? Either people are there or they are not there. It makes no difference. You have, you have, you know, ceased from your own struggles. You are not going to be men pleasers. No. You are going to do the will of God. Either people are there or not. It makes no difference. Behind doors, all right? The word of God means everything to you. All right? Before people, the word of God means everything to you. Praise God. That's what it means to regard God in your heart. All right? The fear of God is to depart from evil. Glory to God. The fear of God is clean, enduring forever. It will preserve you. All right? And when you begin to regard God in your life and give God his place, all right? God is Alpha and Omega. He's not going to take second place. If you give him second place, all right, maybe your uncle or your father that you respect a lot will take that place. But God is not going to take second place. He's not going to take it because that's not his place. His name is Alpha and Omega. You must regard him in your heart. All right? You must regard God. You lay to heart to honor him. You lay to heart to give him praise. You lay to heart to put him first. God must take first place in your life, not second. 
All right? Not that, okay, um, you do your own thing when you are tired. That's when you study God's word. It is when you, you are tired that you pray. All right? The early part of your day must go to God. Your morning must go to God. Amen? That's part of the fear of God. Regarding God, meaning putting him first. Alpha, alpha, alpha. And when it's alpha in your life, it will be omega. It does not matter what happens between alpha and omega. You still end up with God. <laughs> Praise God. Because he's omega. So start with God on that track. You end with him. Praise God. That means God will dictate your, your pace in life and will order your steps and bring you to that conclusive end of your life and destiny in fulfillment. Hallelujah. The fear of the Lord. That's very key. Now, number five. All right. I've said four things now. Number one, it's your birthright to be guided by God, to receive divine revelation, born again. All right. Number two, be willing to be led. Number three, don't assume anything. No assumption. Don't assume anything. No assumption. All right. Number four, the fear of the Lord. Regard God. Put him first. All right. Treasure his word. Tremble at his word. Amen. Praise God. Number five now. Study the word. Have a life of study. Diligent study of the word of God. All right? Because this is how God guides us. He guides us by his word. In fact, if you really want to enjoy the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life, you must give heed to the word of God because that's what the Holy Spirit uses to guide us. The, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life is incapacitated, so to speak, if you lack the knowledge of the word of God. All right? Because the Spirit of God is not going to guide you contrary to God's word. So, if you really want to be led by the Spirit of God, you must put God's word first. You must give God's word first place in your life. You study the word. When you're studying the word, it's like you're writing an exam the following day, the next day. All right? You study God's word like your life depends on it because it does. Your life depends on the word. You study God's word like, you know, the coming of the Lord is going to happen after the study of the word. And that is what determines your catching up, so to speak. That's how, you know, um, serious you must be. And that's how seriously you must study God's word. Because your life depends on the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Psalm 119 and verse 105. It tells us, it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now note the construction there. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Now what do you do when you say feet? Feet speaks of steps, right? Okay, feet, you walk with your feet. You take steps with your feet. Okay? So the word of God will give you direction. Alright, steps. Show you, alright, the steps to take. And then a light onto my path, alright, the word of God will define your bearing in life. So steps and bearing. Steps and direction. See? So how do you know what to do with your life? How do you know the way to go in life? The word. The word. That is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. Praise God. So you, you have to give God's word first place. 
Don't say, well, I'm a prayer person. You know, these, these things that we say in the body of Christ sometimes, you know, God himself looks at us and says, where, where did we get this thing? Where did we get those things from? He's, he's wondering. <laughs> Jesus marveled at their unbelief. <laughs> you know, sometimes God looks and says, where did you get this from? Well, I'm a prayer person. You know, another person says, well, for me, I'm not a prayer person, I'm a word person. You know, there's no such thing as a prayer person and a word person. You ought to be a word person, all right? And if you're a word person indeed, you'll be a prayer person. If all you do is pray and you're not a word person in that sense, you don't learn the word, you don't know the word, all right, you're going to be praying amiss. You'll be wasting your precious time. And if you pray amiss, you won't, you won't receive answers to prayers. See? Praise God. Because, you see, the word of God is what, you know, makes faith what it is. Faith can work without prayer, but prayer cannot work without faith. You see? And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you say you're a prayer person and you're not a word person, what are you doing? You know, this idea that I'm a word person, you are just learned in the word, you know, and you don't give yourself to prayer, is, is alien to Christianity. Alright, you ought to be word and prayer person. In fact, if you are a word person for real, you'll be a prayer person. Because the word of God teaches us, teaches us to pray. The word of God tells us to pray. Amen? Pray without ceasing. The word of God tells us to pray. So you can't be a word person and not be a prayer person. See, this dichotomy, this uncalled for you know, separation between the word and prayer is needless. It's needless. Praise God. Amen? Be a word person and you'll find out that the word tells us to pray. You'll be a prayer person. Glory to God. Because the word instructs us to pray. In fact, when the word of God comes you know, alive in you, or you come alive to the word of God, amen, you start praying. Sometimes I'm studying and I just switch from studying the word into praying. I can't tell the exact time that I did. But you see, you can't get revelation from God's word and not pray. All right, it's just a word person, and you just your head swells very big. You become Edward and headmaster. All right, and the heart shrinks. No revelation. Why? Because he's just learning the letter of the word. That's not what we're talking about. If you learn the word the way you ought to learn the word, you will pray, because the word tells us to pray. Glory to God. So don't don't draw any line of demarcation between the word and prayer. They go hand in hand. Praise God. Alright, so the word guides us. God is going to guide you with his word. That's the database. Alright, that's the source code that God uses to guide us. <laughs> if you don't have it there, you know, there's, there's no program God is going to write within your spirit or within your soul. Amen. You know, as to guidance. You, that's the source code. Amen. Praise God. So, learn the word. Learn the word. Study the word of God. It is lamp unto our feet and light unto our path. Glory to God. So you study the word. In studying God's word, you have to learn to meditate in the word of God. All right. Now let me quickly say something about meditation here, which is very important. Meditating in the word of God simply means uh, talking to yourself in God's word personally. All right. Quietly. Such that the word of God becomes... Um, your present our consciousness that's what meditation is 
you're, you're talking to yourself in God's word such that the word of God is imprinted on your mind. It's stamped on your heart. Tattooed on your mind. Praise God. Such that you are conscious of the word of God. Alright? And it gives you a fresh perspective. Consistent with the word. That's, that's what meditation is. When you do that, you know, always and consistently, what will happen is this. You begin to become conscious of God's word. And in that consciousness, you can act on the word. You can act on the word. Praise God. So you see, it's important you talk to yourself in God's word. Look for a place. Find a corner in your room, in your house. Alright? Go somewhere under the tree, around your neighborhood. Somewhere that you can at least um, have some degree of quietness, you know, to facilitate attention or focus or devotion to the word. Praise God. See? And meditate. Talk to yourself in God's word. Alright? And as you talk to yourself, laugh. <laughs> You're laughing alone. It's not madness. It's good for your soul. For the soul to be without meditation, without knowledge, the Bible says it is not good. It is not good. Praise God. So when you talk to yourself in God's word, your life, you know, will be better for it. He says you will have good success. You will make your way prosperous. Praise God. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart of the mouth, but meditate upon it day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. It says, For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Praise God. Alright, so let me leave that there for time. Number six. Prayer. Alright, prayer of supplication and praying with the Spirit. Prayer of supplication and praying with the Spirit. Now, why did I select those two kinds of prayer? There are other kinds of prayer, alright? Um, but these two, two kinds of prayer are the prayers that can bring us to revelation, alright? Faster than others can. That's very important. Intercession is important. I'm not playing down on other kinds of prayer, but understand why I'm picking this. Because these two kinds of praying, alright, um, are the kinds of praying or prayer that the New Testament, you know, charges or encourages us to be involved with for revelation to come to us. For example, alright, um, in Ephesians chapter 1, if you start reading from verse 59, I want you to note something here. Now Paul said, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all saints, all right, he says, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now know the kind of prayer he prayed. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So what kind of prayer is that? He was asking the Father specifically to give unto the church at Ephesus the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him that's supplication isn't it the prayer of making a definite request is a prayer of supplication see and in this vein colossians 1 and verse 9 he prayed for the church at Colossae. praise god amen philippians 1 and verse 9 he prayed for the church at philippi glory to god and you go on and on like that he prayed for all those churches making a definite request 
for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to be given to them. See? So the prayer of supplication is key. All right? You ask again, for example, in Ephesians 3 and verse 14. Let me show you these things from the word. This Bible study, isn't it? Okay? So we study the Bible. For this cause I bow my knees, look at it again, unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, grant you, grant you. So that's a grant. All right? That is the effect or result of making a definite request. Right? That's what it is. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit, where? In the inner man. So he was praying for them, you know, asking the Father to grant, all right, unto them to be strengthened with mind by his spirit in the inner man. The prayer of supplication. You know, most of, most of us have undermined, you know, the place, the importance of the prayer of supplication. All right, we do the prayer of faith a lot, which is good, all right, but you see, the prayer of faith is not an almighty prayer. Because there are different kinds of prayer. It's not an almighty formula. You know, sometimes people are praying for light. and say, in Jesus' name, I have light. All right, continue. Continue. All right, is that how the Bible says to pray? All right, before you can pray the prayer of faith, you must have supplicated. All right, and then you can declare from that consciousness of what you believe God has granted. You are now declaring it. Amen. You see, that's how it works. You see, Peter was praying. Remember when Peter prayed for, um, what was it called? Aeneas. All right? And the Bible tells us that, you know, in fact, when he prayed for uh, Dorcas, Tabitha. Amen. The Bible says when he called Peter, he went to pray on his own. And when he was done praying, asking for the restoration of the spirit of that great woman of hospitality. Glory to God. And then he turned to her and says, arise. Praise God. Did you see that? So you see, um, these things, for example, again, when um, Peter and John were called for, all right, when they heard that Samaria had received the word of the Lord. They sent Peter and John to Samaria. Praise God. And the Bible tells us that when they got there, they didn't say, receive the Holy Ghost, receive the Holy Ghost, laying hands on them. No. You see, don't be brute, all right, in your approach to life and spiritual things. Be thoughtful. Amen? It says, when they had prayed to God, asking the Father, all right, that the Spirit of God will be given to them. After they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Now you can command. They laid hands on them and the Holy Spirit came upon them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Acts 8 and verse 15. Who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. All right, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Who when they come down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Verse 16. Look at it. For as yet, the Holy Ghost has not yet fallen upon them. Then, they now, you know, they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. See? So, supplication is very important. 
does not mean, you know, we cannot declare that I have light. That's not what I'm talking about. Understand what I'm saying here. Alright? You know, you can only declare that something is done that the Father has granted. You can't be declaring it just in your own will. No, no. Prayer is not like that. Prayer is not declaring what you want. It's declaring what the will of God commanded. That will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Praise God. So you're declaring what God has commanded. Praise God. Amen. I said amen. And this is very important. Ask the Father for a grant. Supplication. It's very key. Alright. And then praying with the Spirit. Praying with the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 2 tells us very clearly. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 2. Alright. It says, For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue, speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him. Howbeit in the spirit he speaks what? Mysteries. So he's speaking mysteries. Coded secrets. (laughs) There are some things about your life. In fact, the truth is everything about your life is coded. Yes. So there is the decoding. Alright? Of that which has been coded. When you pray in other tongues, what you're doing is this. The Bible says, when I pray in in other tongues, alright, I am not the one praying. I'm not praying from my mind. He says, my spirit prays. He says, but my mind is unfruitful. Alright? But my spirit prays. I like the way the Amplified Version puts it. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 14. Alright? He says, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit, by the Holy Spirit within me, prays. But my mind is unproductive. It bears no fruit and helps nobody. See? So the Holy Spirit is engaged in this kind of praying when you're praying with your spirit, praying in other tongues. See, if you do that a lot... A lot. Alright? You will step into mysteries. Alright? There won't be mysteries to you anymore. But there are still mysteries in that God hid them before the foundation of the world. But they are no longer hidden from you because they were hidden for you. Praise God. So you step into mysteries. You start seeing things. You start having a special, you know, an uncommon understanding about your life. How things should be. Alright? The ought to's of life. Praise God. Not circumstantial, you know, um, things of life. The ought to. The ought to's of life. How things ought to be according to God's purpose, God's design. Praise God. Amen. So you pray in other tongues. I recommend, you know, at least an hour of praying in tongues for every child of God who has received the Spirit of God. You've been filled with the Holy Ghost and you speak in other tongues. Why not? Go ahead. I'm praying tongues. Zebro halamane safrati krosho. Someone says, "Well, I don't even know what I'm saying." <laughs> All right, that's how it starts. And if you keep at it, you continue. In no time, you start understanding what you're saying. If there's a desire in your heart to interpret what you're saying, go ahead. Desire as you pray in other tongues, you step into mysteries, coded secrets. Glory to God. Your life will open up like a scroll right before your very eyes. And you'll know what God would have you do. Amen. Praise God. So praying. Number seven, quickly. All right. Listen to anointed teachers of God's word. And be very attentive to your pastor as he or she teaches the word of God. All right. That's very important. Because, you see, if you look at the book of Revelation, the second chapter and the third chapter, when the Lord Jesus Christ will send a message 
to the churches, the seven churches in Asia Minor. He sent those messages to the angels of those churches, not angels with wings. Angels there means messengers, pastors. Alright, he could have alerted all of the all of the children of God. At least all of them had the Spirit of God in them. Probably every one of them had been, you know, baptized in the Holy Spirit. They had received the Holy Spirit. Praise God. So he, he could have alerted all of them by the Holy Ghost. But he said, no, that's not the order. To the angel of the church in Smyrna, to the angel of the church in Laodicea, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? Angel. To the angel. Alright, see, have a culture of listening to your pastor. Alright, it's important. Let me show you the scripture. In Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 20 and verses 20 and 21. Isaiah 30 and verse 20. It says, And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet shall not thy teachers, 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 be removed into a corner anymore, but thine eyes shall see thy teachers, teachers, teachers. Verse 21, and thine ears shall hear a word behind thee saying, This is the way, walk in it, and ye shall, and when ye turn to the right hand, and when ye turn to the left. Now listen to this. Where's that word going to come from? The word you're going to hear behind you. From your teachers. You see, in the multitude of their teaching, anointed teachings, praise God, the Spirit of God speaks to you. Under that, the cloud of the corporate anointing, you hear God. Because you see, in Zion, when we gather together and a man ordained by God is teaching by the Spirit of God, he says, there God has commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. So, learn to listen to your pastor. If there is a message to the church of God in GLT, alright, the church of God, GLT, in Nigeria or worldwide, God is not going to say it to you. He's going to talk to me. And if you're not listening to me and you're in GLT, all right, what what are you doing? God is the God of order. He says, let all things, how many things? All things be done decently and in order. All things, not some things. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 40. Let all things be done decently and in order. God is the God of order. So listen to your pastors. Praise God. Amen. Listen to anointed teachers. They are not meant to lord it over you. No, that's not it. But in the multitude of their teachings, you can perceive and discern the will of God for your life. You see, there are things that are easier to get under the corporate anointing. You may fast for 40 days, you know, 60 days, 90 days, and it's, it's still kind of challenging to get that, those things. But when you come in the corporate anointing and you open your spirit, immediately the spirit of God starts speaking to you. Praise God. Amen. It's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. Glory to God. And and you have to learn to receive God's word from your pastor. Amen. It's, It's very important. Receive from your pastor. God has something to say. God is not going to bypass him because God anointed him and placed him there. All right. If he was not needed, God would not have called him. God would not have anointed him. God would not have set him in the house. All right. So listen to your pastor as they teach you the word, the word of God. Amen. 
All right, number eight. Quietness. Quietness. See, this principle of quietness is very, very important. You know, I was um, with um, the general evangelist, you know, um, of Christ Apostolic Church some years ago. All right. Um, Baba Babajide in Elisha. All right. He was a general evangelist of uh, CSC, Christ Apostolic Church, and was also a prophet. Now, he's going to be with the Lord now. And then I met him miraculously. He said something to me and just... It just came back to my mind. He said, when you are done praying, be quiet and hear what God has to say. So many people pray, 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 pray. It's like they are dumping something on God. Ha, hey, but they make noise, they cry, they scream and all that. When they are done praying, it's just like a flash. They jump from that mood of prayer to doing other things, watching TVs, attending to other things, household chores and what have you. But he said something to me. He said, be quiet. Learn to be quiet. He says, God speaks to us in quietness. When your spirit is calm. All right, take a posture that you will not fall asleep. All right? So you are quiet. He says, God will speak to you. See, Elijah learned this the hard way. In 1 Kings 19. If you start reading from verse 11 to 12. All right? There was a wild wind that broke the rocks in pieces. <laughs> He thought God was in the wind, but God was not in the wind. There was an earthquake. <laughs> shook the mountain. He thought God was in the earthquake, but God was not in the earthquake. There was a fire burning. <laughs> he thought God was in the fire, but God was not in the fire. Where was God? He was in a still, small voice. A still, small voice. Can we say that together? A still, small voice. Now, in a hall where you have a minimum of 30 or 40 people, all right, uh, conversing with each other, just talking. Praise God. And somebody is whispering. Is whispering something to you. All right? Now, you, you have to calm down and go close and be attentive to hear what the person is saying to you. True? That's the way it is with God. You see, your mind is very busy. It's meant to be busy. <laughs> because your mind is processing thoughts. In fact, in your consciousness, there are millions of thoughts your mind is processing at once. And then in your subconscious, there are millions of thoughts your mind is processing at once. In your subconscious. Because that's where memory is. So there are thoughts that your mind is processing. So your mind can be very loud. Sometimes, you know, even when you want to meditate on God's word and you're trying to calm your mind down, then you know how loud your mind, you know, is or has become over time. Praise God. You know, and you're meditating and some thoughts, are, you have to go and buy that thing. No, don't give him. Don't give him that thing. No, take it from him. No, 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 don't send that money. You know, he's not going to spend it well. Send this other person. And it, it talks. <laughs> Somehow. And you want God to speak to you in that loudness of mind. You have to learn to be calm. You calm your mind down. And the easiest way to calm your mind down, all right, is number one, minister to the Lord. When you minister to the Lord and worship him, what it does is this. God is greater 
than your heart. Alright? So his greatness will overshadow the multitude of thoughts running through your mind as you worship God and minister to the Lord. Praise God. I tell you, your mind will calm down. Amen? And then you can start meditating on God's word. Sometimes people say, why is it important to worship before praying or worship before meditating on God's word? All right? Well, there's no laid down rule, as it were, but it is very important to worship God before praying or asking God, you know, anything. Before meditating in God's word, it's, it's too important. Why? Because when you worship God, what it does is this. Worship takes you beyond yourself. All right? There's a greater self on which you have focused. All right? You're focused on a greater self, on whom you are focused, rather. And because you are focused on a greater self, God takes you beyond yourself. Then you can see things in the spirit. You can hear his voice. Praise God. That still, small voice is a still, small voice. But it's a voice. But it's still and small. So you have to be still before you can know that he is God. Amen? Learn to be quiet. Just be quiet. Stay there. And let me tell you something. The most challenging kind of discipline to acquire spiritually is the discipline of quietness. <laughs> you just try and sit down somewhere. All right, you've meditated on God's word and you're done praying and you're just there quiet for, the, for, the, for five minutes. It's like, what are you doing here? Are you dumb? Stand up and, you know, thoughts are running through your mind. But the moment you get to a place where your mind is calm and you focus on God's greatness, His loving kindness, amen, immediately you switch from the consciousness of the mundane to the consciousness of the divine. And you start receiving from God. Praise God. And that's, that's very important. Quietness. Quietness. Number nine, I'll run now. Praise God. All right. I, I'm going to number 12. <laughs> so number nine, fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Second Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 14. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit. It says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. There's an atmosphere of the Spirit that is called the communion of the Holy Spirit, the fellowship of the Spirit. And then there's an actual interaction with the Spirit that is known as the fellowship with the Spirit. Fellowship with the Spirit. Now, um, it, when you walk, start walking with God and you keep walking with God, one of the things that you get to appreciate very, very uh, much in your walk with God is the importance of atmosphere. Atmosphere. Alright? You know, there are certain things you can't do in certain places. Even seeds don't grow, you know, everywhere. Alright? They don't grow in every season. Alright? So, there are certain seeds that you can only plant, alright, in temperate regions. They do well in temperate regions. But some other seeds do well in tropical regions. See? So atmosphere. Atmosphere. Now, um, you have to learn to maintain an atmosphere of the spirit to be able to interact with 
the Spirit. Alright? There is a communion of the Spirit of God, an atmosphere of the Spirit, that facilitates a communion with the Spirit of God. This is very important. I'm not playing with prepositions here. I'm telling you the truth. That's, that's very important. See? So, an atmosphere of love. Don't forget that. An atmosphere of no offense. Alright? An atmosphere of worship, ministering to the Lord. An atmosphere of joy. Alright? An atmosphere of, you know, um, singing. You're just singing. An atmosphere of joy. An atmosphere of ministering to the Lord. An atmosphere of love. No offense. No bitterness. That is the atmosphere where communion with the Spirit is easiest. You can literally hear the voice of the Spirit saying, how are you doing today in that atmosphere? You, you can keep that atmosphere. The Bible says to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So you can endeavor, endure, be quick to forgive. All right, Something is affecting the atmosphere around you. All right, Deal with it immediately, immediately, immediately. And say, no, I let that go in the name of Jesus Christ. There are times it's a demon that is trying to, um, to vex your spirit, just to push you into saying things that you're not supposed to say. You rebuke that spirit in the name of Jesus Christ, and you take authority over the spirit to maintain that atmosphere because your destiny is going to happen in an atmosphere of the spirit. All right? There's, there's that envelope of God's spirit around you that will cause things to happen in your favor. You must keep it. You must treasure that atmosphere. Praise God. Alright, so uh, cultivate it. Alright, meditating in God's word, ministering to the Lord. Sometimes just laugh. <laughs> you just laugh and rejoice in the Lord. And so what you're doing is you are sowing seeds into that atmosphere. You're building an atmosphere that is rich, that is blessed, that is big enough to facilitate the happening of your destiny. Amen. Atmosphere is everything. Uh, there are times people are saying some things that, you know, uh, I just leave the place because there's an atmosphere, you know, that I carry. I carry an atmosphere of the Spirit, you know. So the Bible says, um, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So singing. Speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns. It's a powerful thing. Ephesians chapter 5. Start reading from verse 18 to verse 20. It's a powerful thing. You sing. You talk to yourself in the word of God. You're building an atmosphere around your life. Alright? That's an atmosphere for miracles. Amen? Praise God. And the Bible says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good... To the use of edifying. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. It says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. So there are certain things you don't see. Alright? Foul words, dirty words, cursing people, gossiping. You're killing that atmosphere around you. When you need it to work for you, it will not work. Because you've not sown that seed. Alright? So don't do it. Build that atmosphere. Cultivate it. Can someone say amen to that? Cultivate that atmosphere, all right, where the Spirit of God can speak to you and give you revelation. Revelation. That's very powerful. Praise God. Amen? All right, so that's, that's a fellowship with the Spirit of God that we're talking about. Quickly, number 10, meekness. 
you know, interestingly, this will interest you, I believe. Um, the gospel is not to be preached to the proud. <laughs> if you preach it to the proud, they will not hear it. The gospel is meant for the meek. Revelation is meant for the meek. Look at Isaiah 61 and verse 1, verses 1 and 2. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. Unto the meek. If God screams from eternity to eternity, the proud will not hear him. It's only the meek that will hear God. Amen? Why? Because the meek is lowly in mind. The meek is submissive to God. So the meek can hear the voice of God. Revelation comes to the meek. Alright? The gospel is preached to the meek. The word of God opens up to the meek. Praise God. Alright? Psalm 25 and verse 9, you know, nails it for us quickly. Alright? Psalm 25 and verse 9, the meek will he guide in judgment and the meek will he teach his way. He will teach the meek his way. The meek. The meek. The Bible says God respects the humble but he sees the proud afar off be meek. Now what is the quality of meekness? Alright, control of strength. Alright, control of strength. You don't abuse your privileges. <laughs> Alright, God has given you power, authority. Don't use it anyhow. Be meek. Sometimes some people are saying some things against you and you know you have the power to make things happen. Jesus had the power to turn stones to bread. But the Father had not commanded it. Alright. The devil tempted him. If thou be the son of God. Command that these stones be made bread. Jesus said. Man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That is meekness. Alright. It's not everything you have power for. Or you have authority for. That you must do. Don't let people tempt you. If you are the Yisubian, do this thing. No, don't do that. Don't oppress anybody with your power. Be meek. Be meek. Be meek. Amen? God will guide the meek in judgment. He will teach the meek his way. Glory to God. Amen? And then what else defines meekness? This is very powerful. Alright? Lowliness of mind. Be receptive. Be open to new ideas that will bless you. Don't be closed-minded. Alright, don't believe that you know it all. That other person doesn't know anything. No. No. If he's saying something that is consistent with God's word, give it a thought. That's meekness. Don't say, I don't care what he says. I'm not going to listen. No, no, no. Don't do that. Don't do that. Be meek. Be attentive. Be open. Be receptive. All right? Uh, be corrigible. Be ductile. Glory to God. This is very important. Be teachable. Be teachable. Teachability is a quality. It's one of the qualities of meekness. Praise God. All right? And then the penultimate point here. Um, joy. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> I'm rejoicing already. Joy. Woo! <laughs> Amen, amen. Isaiah 12 and verse 3, we draw water from the wells of salvation. How? With joy. With joy. With joy. 
Alright, everything God has provided for you in Christ, it is joy that will draw it out. Praise God. Learn to rejoice. Maintain an atmosphere of joy. Praise God. And I love this scripture. Alright, in Isaiah 30, verses 29 and 30. Isaiah 30, verses 29 and 30. You shall have a song. <laughs> As in the night when a holy solemnity is kept, and gladness of heart. You will have a song. You will have gladness of heart. As when one goeth with a pipe to come into the mountain of the Lord. To the mighty one of Israel. Glory to God. And the Lord will cause his glorious voice to be heard. Alright. Look at the two things you must have. You will have a song. <laughs> and then gladness of heart. You will have a song. And gladness of heart. Then the Lord will cause his glorious voice to be heard. If you're not hearing his glorious voice, all right, then you have to go get a song and gladden your heart. Lay it to heart to give God praise and rejoice. Can someone say amen to that? Praise God. Joy. Joy. Can I, can I just see you losing up and just rejoice? Can I see you losing up? Just rejoice. Hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> amen. Rejoice. Don't hold it back. Rejoice in him. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. And lastly, this is very important, point number 12. Wake up early. Early in the morning to seek the Lord. You see, make the most of your early hours. The early hours of the day. Someone says, well, why is that important? What if I pray in the night and all that? Okay, you can pray at any time. Tea, that's, that's important. But the Bible says some things, certain things about making the most of your morning. All right? Look at Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 17. Proverbs 8 and verse 17. I love, this is wisdom speaking, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. It didn't say those that seek me shall find me. It says those that seek me early shall find me. Amen? Alright, you see, someone say, well, early may mean that those that seek me early in terms of age. Alright, but in context here, early means those that seek me early in the morning shall find me. There's something about wisdom. Alright, wisdom distills into our soul as the dew of heaven early in the morning. In fact, there's a prophetic word concerning Jesus the Messiah, and that also applies to us. Because now we are one with him. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Amen. In Isaiah 50 and verse 4. In fact, we just stop here. Isaiah 50 verses 4 and 5. He says, The Lord had given me the tongue of the learned. Now, how did he acquire it? The tongue of the learned. That I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakened morning by morning. He wakened my ear to hear as the learned. So, you see how he got the tongue of the learned? He was hearing morning by morning, morning by morning, morning by morning. You see, if you make the most of your early hours in meditation and prayer, you'll be a wise person. You'll be led of God. You'll have a tongue, the tongue of the learned. You, you will know how to speak a word in season to those who are weary. Praise God. Look at verse 5. Next verse. The Lord God had opened my ear... And I was not rebellious. Neither turned away 
back. He opened my ear and I was not rebellious. When did he open his ear? Morning by morning. He wakened my ear morning by morning. Amen? Morning by morning. In fact, um, I did a study some time ago. I discovered that Jesus prayed mostly in the mornings, early in the morning. Alright? Um, in fact, when he was raised from the dead, he was raised from the dead um, the early part of 3 a.m., between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. 3 o'clock and 6 o'clock in the morning. Praise God. Alright? That's called the fourth the fourth watch. The fourth watch is between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. That was when Jesus was raised from the dead. Alright? And that was when he walked on water. Between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. Praise God. See? And most of his praying was done early in the morning. Between 12 a.m. 12 o'clock, midnight, you know, a.m. And 6 a.m. in the morning. That was when Jesus prayed. When At other times, when you saw him in the boat sleeping, he was not sleeping at that time. He was sleeping in the evening or in the morning, anytime between 6 a.m. and 9 a.m. Praise God. But he took time to pray. Sometimes he had all night, praying all night. All right? All night simply means from 9 p.m. he will pray until 3 a.m. Or anything after 3 a.m. 3 o'clock in the morning. Praise God. All night prayer. Glory to God. So you see, the morning hour is important. That's when, you know, Jesus saw God the Father doing mighty things. And so he could act those things out when he went out to minister to the people, to teach them God's word and to heal the sick. Praise God. What I see my Father do, I do likewise. Amen. Praise God. I believe you've been blessed today. Let's go over those points very quickly. All right. Uh, in case you missed out any of those points. Point number one, it's your birthright to be led by God's Spirit as a child of God. Point number two, be willing to be led. All right. Point number three, don't assume anything about your life. Assumption, all right, is no knowledge at all. Praise God. Not just that is the least form of knowledge, it's no knowledge at all. Alright? So be directed, be led. Number four, the fear of the Lord. Regard God, put him first. Number five, study the word, meditate in the word of God. Number six, prayer of supplication and praying with the spirit, with your spirit. Amen. Number seven, listen to anointed teachers of the word and be very attentive to your pastor as he or she teaches the word of God. All right? Be very attentive. Number eight, quietness. Learn to be quiet. Be calm. Be still and know that God is God. Amen? And you can hear the still, small voice of the Spirit of God. Number nine, fellowship with the Spirit. All right? Number ten, meekness. Number eleven, joy. And then number twelve, wake up early in the morning. Amen? To seek the Lord. Praise God. All right? Have you been blessed today? Now let's have a word of prayer. And I want you to focus right now and say, Father, I have heard your word. I receive your word today. And now, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I know it's my birthright to be led by your spirit. My heart is open. All right? Concerning this, concerning this, concerning this, go ahead and mention those things. Lord, I receive your guidance. I receive your guidance. I receive your guidance. In the name of Jesus. 
I'm asking that by your spirit you will guide me, Father. I'm asking for a divine grant that you will pour upon my spirit and my soul and my body the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. The eyes of my understanding being enlightened in the name of Jesus. And I believe I have received in Jesus' name. Therefore, I declare and decree that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm led by the Spirit of God. I'm taught by the Spirit of God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to God. Amen. Pray in other tongues. Glory to God. Ronto koso prekida krasubre bide brokoto krisa. Ruta kamarada kashikri.